Welcome to the latest United We Stand podcast. I'm Andy Mitten and I'm stood on the Park Lane outside the South Stand in Tottenham, N17, North London. There's half an hour to kick off between Tottenham Hotspur against Manchester United and I'm stood outside the South Stand lower tier for visiting supporters and the South Stand upper tier. Manchester United fans are flooding into the ground. There's a police um, sniffer dog checking fans as they're going to go in. Uh, it's a beautiful day. It's the final ever day for White Hart Lane. You might have heard about it. And the, the, many in the London media have been, haven't been slow to accentuate that. But it is a ground where I've got fond memories of visiting and some awful memories as well. Like New Year's Day 1996 when United got beat 4 1 and William Prunier played. That's Steve Black chiming in. Tottenham fans are walking past, um, singing Tottenham, singing Yadami. Some of them were singing about not liking Manchester uh, United. Tickets are going for a fortune among Tottenham fans. Free, £400. I've seen one fan with a sign saying he's come all the way from California. And you, you can see that this ground resonates so strongly with Tottenham fans because it's the only ground that they've known. Imagine United leaving Old Trafford. It's a massive event for them. Tottenham haven't been shy to capitalise with their £10 match day programme. Cockney prices for them. And... And with a couple of United fans outside the away end at the moment. Luca, um, just a quick one. Um, how old are you now? Ten? Yeah. Give us a prediction for the game today. Uh, sadly, I think I'm going to lose 2-0. Um, there's very, very, very few games where I don't think Manchester United are going to win. And unfortunately, this is one of them. And I hope by the time listening to this, um, I've been proved wrong. But for decades, I never went to a single game thinking United would lose. Not even against Barcelona in the semi-final of the Champions League in 2008 but I just can't see Manchester United winning today against a very good Tottenham team a team that hammered us last year we didn't score last year we didn't score the year before although played very well the year before in the first half when Van Aal was in charge didn't we beat them at Old Trafford? it was, it was yeah I'm on out, down, down here we'll come into Steve Black in a minute Kenny Russell seen you at games for years Kenny how have you felt about United this season? Well, we've played, uh, drawn that many games, it's unbelievable. We've thrown at least 26 points away. You like, sit right in the middle of the main stand, don't you? You've got yeah. one of the best seats in the ground. Oh, How I, long have you had it for? About 20 years. Have you? Yeah. And, um, okay. Ravi, um, what have you made of this season? You talked about the draws. Has it been a good season? Has it been a bad season? Is that still to be decided by what happens in Stockholm? Yeah, because that's the only way we're going to get in the Champions League next season. Which players have impressed you this year? Which players have impressed you? Uh, you got sent off in the next last round. Yeah. That coloured fellow. Yeah. And what? Um, Matter. There was a woman yeah. here with a lad. Who uh, Rashford. Yeah. Like. You're right, Steve. And, uh, I'm all right with that. So Prediction for today, Kenny. They're winning this about two 0 Yeah. Okay. Steve Black. Oh right, now Top you are know me. Favourite White Hart Lane memories? Um, probably, uh, oh god, there's, there's, several, there's several really good ones. First time coming here with a lad called Pat Featherston. We were probably about, um, I don't know, 15, 16 years of age. We thought it was a really bright idea to wear our United scarves and we got lost along the shelf. There used to be a school at the back of the shelf when we climbed over the wall there and we got there the only ones. Then we realised that actually Tottenham, you know, in the 70s wasn't the right place to wear your United scarf. And, and actually sort of like being physically um, or being chased so I remember I remember always coming here and then getting um, 
and thinking actually it's a lot moodier here. So as time's gone on, it's obviously changed football. But it's always worth it. You know, you always get a bit of a box outside here if you if you want one, which obviously I wouldn't. But because um, people are so it's all a bit rum. Tottenham with money and expensive seats and wealthy fans, but. The lads who were involved in hooliganism would always say that the walk from Seven Sisters up to here was dangerous. This was one of the most dangerous walks. Tottenham, Tottenham always. There's a big group of Tottenham fans walking past us now. Tottenham have always had a really active firm, yeah. haven't they? Yeah. And, and, then, and then there's people like that and white trainers. But, um, but, but it was always quite a tasty place to come, wasn't it? One of my favourite memories here, I remember uh, being 3-0 down at half-time and I'm trying to get a bet on United and we were 33-1 to at half-time to, to win the game and talking to a Tottenham fan at half-time just over the, over the um, segregation and saying, you know what, we'll win today and I'll tell you why, because we're miles better and we should never have been 3-0 down and he said, I bet you 20 quid and he never paid up because he never tried to find me at the time. <laughs> Um, but I think it, I'll miss this game ground. in 2001, wasn't it? I'll miss, miss it, yeah. I'll miss this ground because it's still an old-fashioned ground, even though it's gone. You know, the shelves gone and it's a lot changed. It's always, it's always been passionate. It's always. And one of my favourites sat with you. We were all in the Tottenham end for that one nil. Can we come down in? We had no tickets one year. Do you not remember? We were sat down the side. Did Bruce score and we won one nil? I don't remember. You need to ask uh, a professional football journalist you, you a question with, like that. Yeah, but we, we were all sat together. We got some tickets yeah. down the side. United had no tickets. We had about two hundred tickets. That when they were when they're doing the redevelopment, must so have that would have been 93, 94. They did the Paxton and the Park End. Can't, can't remember we're it. All, we're all down the side. I can remember and, uh, sat here for the Youth Cup final and you know, what I had for tea that night. And I can't remember the no. game that I was at a year later. Your memory plays. Uh, well, it's funny, funny tricks it? with you. Um, you saw it for Stockholm. I'm just waiting to see whether I've got tickets, whether I can take Luca or not. And if not, I'll go on my own or I'll go on one of the one dayers. If not, and he can get a ticket, then we'll probably go for a couple of days, have a drive, show him somewhere else on the way. What do you think about the allocation that United have received? Nine and a half thousand tickets. I mean, what can you do? I think at the start of the competition, that's what the allocation was always going to be. How can we change that? I think the way that the club have done it, I think he's perfectly right. If you've been to a European away in one of the last two years, you get a ticket. I think that's perfect. Martin McVarnett's just walked past. I was going to try and get him on the podcast. He does like to work now, right? But he just, just beat me to it. It's half time at White Hart Lane. Manchester United are a goal down. The goal scored by Victor Wanyama, who is a Manchester United fan. I think this Tano announcer is going to ruin this podcast here now. But that Wanyama scored in front of the United end. 2,700 United fans have been in good voice. There's a big save our scoreboard flag uh, hanging from the second tier. United fans have been singing, um, you nearly won the league. Tottenham fans have been very vocal. They, they, they do a brilliant rendition of when the Spurs go marching in. Everybody had flags on their seats, including in the United end, to mark the finale. There's a huge board in the corner of the ground which has been dismantled for this season. It says the lane, the finale, and behind that, the new stadium is, is going up. Uh, a young man's just come up at half-time. What's your name, mate? Uh, Damien. And where are you from? I'm from Ireland. So, you've come out from Ireland today? Yeah, I flew over this morning and uh, got the trains here. Uh, first time at White Hart Lane, actually. I've been to loads of London aways, but never actually been here before, so I was quite happy to get a ticket. So, how many games you get into a season, Damien? from Galway uh, I try and come maybe 
10 or 12 times a season and try and do two or three aways. Yeah. This is actually my fourth away uh, this season. I did the two Chelsea games in the Cup and in the league and I was at uh, City Way last week and uh, here again today. So you're not, you're not seeing United win this season away from home? <laughs> no. Are you going to Stockholm? Uh, hopefully, yeah. I have a flight booked. Uh, I have five credits. So I'm hoping I'll get a ticket in tomorrow's ballot and uh, and head out there. So looking forward to that. When did you book your flight? How much did you pay for it? Uh, I booked my flight back in um, when we drew Anderlecht uh, in the quarter final. I, I took a gamble, but I booked with Norwegian Airlines uh, on a ticket that you could cancel. I paid £70 more. So uh, £280 in total going out the morning of the game from Gatwick and then uh, back that evening. To a lad before the game who booked his hotel in Stockholm a year ago, and his thinking was, I can cancel it if we don't get there. Yeah, I've done and that. He just, he just yeah. took advantage of that. What have you made of Manchester United here in the first half at White Hart Lane? It's frustrating, isn't it? Very much so. Uh, there's no width. You can see the lack of width today uh, without Valencia, especially on the overlap. And there seems to be a lack of drive. Even though they've had one or two half chances. Um, it looks like they're playing a 4-2-3-1, doesn't it, with Tuanzebe uh, doing a man-marking job. Yes, he, was, uh, he seems to be changing from left to right. I thought that they were going to set up more standard, but he seems to be going yeah. over and back following. But uh, he, he shows good promise. He was very good last week, so yeah. uh, hopefully he's one for the future. It's 1-0 at half-time. I can't see Manchester United getting back into this. I hope I'm wrong, but it's become the norm here now, sadly. Yeah. The last few years, we've almost become what Tottenham used to be. I come here not thinking that Manchester United can win. Last April, United got hammered here 3-0, even though the goals came quite late, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but a 3-0 defeat is a 3-0 defeat. A year on, has there been progress? What do you think? Um, there has been some uh, progress this season. Like, I'm much happier than I was last season with United. But that game last year, 3-0, when Timothy Forrest, who Menza was our man of the match, that yeah. kind of says it all. And today, De Gea's made two or three good saves. So again, same thing, defenders and goalkeepers being your man's and match, that's probably not the best, you know. Would you like to see De Gea stay at Old Trafford? Yeah, but I just have this feeling he won't. I don't know why. Um, I'd be surprised I, if he stays. Yeah, so am I. But I'm hoping this time, with Mourinho in charge, that hopefully we can get something back from Madrid, maybe a player exchange or whatever. Like when we see with Depay and Schneiderlin, that's the first time for 10, 20 years we've got decent money back. And I think that's down to Mourinho. So I'm hoping that if we're looking for James Rodriguez or Tony Kroos or whoever, that we can do it by getting... And he can be the man to do the negotiating. And if anyone knows most of Real Madrid's players, then it's Jose Mourinho. Absolutely. He, he, that European Cup day one last year was his team. So let's hope he knows them and he can pick somebody if that's to be the case. I think that's probable. Um, a lad come up to me before the game and said, is he going yes or no? And you can't say definite because the deal's not been signed yet. And as we saw last time, anything can happen. You've just got to look at, on the balance of probability, he's going to go to Real Madrid. Who wants him? It's just when he's going to go. But I would still be surprised if he was at Manchester United at the, at the start of next season. But I do know that United like several of Madrid's players, as you would, because they've got the best squad in world football at the moment. Even better than Barcelona, I think. Because... They've, they, I think that's one reason why they're probably going to win the Spanish League this year. You mentioned James Rodriguez. He can't even get in the team. 
He's playing against the weaker sides. Uh, Isco, who is not one of the starting eleven either, he's ahead of him. You've got he plays. He tends to play two holding midfielders. So James Rodriguez's problem. He's a he's a jack of several trades, and he's a brilliant player. And I've spoken to people who know a lot more about football than I do, working it on a professional basis. They think he'd do very well in England. And I think he's the one player who, 25, 26, did actually get a lot of money for him. Scored more goals from midfield than any player in Spain so far this season. He can play in a whole number of different roles. And yet, I'd still be circumspect about any player coming because of the number of failures that we've seen in recent years. I was really excited when Falcao came. And it's just not working out, isn't it? So, cheers, cheers for your time. I hope you get lucky in the ballot. You've got five credits. How does that place you? Um, I, I haven't actually been to a game. All of mine are five rejections. So, so that's going to put me in the second ballot. Right, so you've applied for five your yes, ways. including two last season um, in with the Liverpool game. And I applied for one other last season. And I've applied for the, the last three rounds this season. So... Fingers crossed, all I can do is hope. And what if you would have got one of them? Would you have gone? Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. I've been to a few Euro ways. Um, been to Munich twice and been to Real Madrid and I've been to um, AC Milan twice as well. So, you know, I've been to a few. And I've been to Galway on a stag do a couple of times, so I can't remember too much of it, but it's a great party town. Yeah. Is it a big United town? Uh, in, like most towns in Ireland, it's very 50-50 with United and Liverpool. They're the two main teams in Ireland with Arsenal then popping in. Uh, like There wouldn't be too many Chelsea fans. It's very inoffensive when they win the league at home. Uh, not a whole pile of City fans either, even though there is a City supporters club in Galway. But no, and, and, didn't, and I might be completely wrong here. Nick Leeson, the old financial trader, didn't he buy Galway United? Something like that. No, he got the job as their kind of financial manager back when they got some money a couple of seasons ago. It actually coincided with the same season that Roy Keane was the Sunderland manager. And they, he became kind of their financial manager when there was a lot of money in Irish football. And uh, he so got Sunderland over. 06, 07. Yeah. Yes, and he got Sunderland over and they done a, they actually done a friendly at uh, Terryland Park, which is Galway's stadium. It's now called Eamon DC Park. And uh, Sunderland what, were there. ACDC no, Park? Eamon DC. He was an old, um, famous uh, Galway player. Oh, sorry, and, sorry, Eamon. So, um, in fairness, uh, he, he did a decent job, but... It just he couldn't hold it, and the money started to to when the money went, he went. Thank you for your time. Thanks, Andy. I'm just about to press stop, but the 1981 FA Cup final songs come on. So I would have been. Eight when this came out, and maybe it's a formative age as a football fan, but I know all the words to it. And it stopped just like that. That's up, United don't stop. Yeah, it was Chaz and Dave, that was right. Oh, Chaz and Dave, are they here? The walk for Chaz and Dave are walking out onto the pitch. <laughs> Love it. Good old cockney knees up round the ground piano.
the only bit of green you can see is in front of the United end there are a couple of hundred Tottenham fans goading the United fans uh, one is, where, is holding an Ajax flag and it's largely good humoured but there's clearly people who are also looking for trouble they're asking for fans to return to their seats United lost the game seems almost incidental now there's pleas for the fans to get off the pitch the area around the goal is absolutely packed just pushed to get out of the United end there and there's only one, one gate to get out the United end there's a few there's Tottenham fans waiting to try and get in it seems it's fans without tickets it's raining uh, just walked out onto the park park lane puddles everywhere, it's raining, it's raining quite heavily and there's a lot of Metropolitan Police outside the ground, not so many inside the ground now getting soaked it's kicking off a bit now between United and Tottenham fans that's the clack of the police horses that you can hear nothing, just, just scuffles really um, the game finished about 25 minutes ago just walking around to the main stand to meet a mate now. Just avoiding the uh, horseman yaw. There's a lot of Tottenham fans outside the ground who've clearly not had tickets. Above there's a police helicopter. And I didn't see any punches thrown inside the ground. The police are actually just walking past me now. Hi Martin, what do you make of it? Well, to tell you the truth, I expected to get beat on there. I think we all did. I've been speaking to the lads there on the TV, Tottenham TV and all that sort of thing. I've just told them the same thing. I'm so blessed that I live 15 minutes from Old Trafford. I've seen United for 50 odd, well, nearly 50 odd years now, through bad and fucking thin. And I'm just, oh, fucking hell, it's going there now, look. Going Tottenham is smacking fucking United there now, and that's not allowed. Watch, right. watch yourself, oh, yeah. Watch yourself here, mate. Come here. Get him there, the prick. Smacked him. Oh, where's Martin? Mind you, dear, you stay with me. You'll be alright. Just stay with me. So, I need okay. to get the bus. Just wait here. There's a lad just smacked a United fan on the top. And he just run off. And the police are onto him, chasing him. Um, and there were a couple of United fans who were close to me. Have uh, gone to see what was, what, what was happening. You stay here, alright? Can you see him? Yeah, Okay, safe journey back to Manchester. All right. Um, as we were, um, our previous podcast guest is not shy and retiring. You all right? Tottenham fans are shit houses. I've walked around the corner of the park lane onto the high road past all the the jumble of shops there's police everywhere the road has been closed police helicopter above an assailant has been chased away um, with Rob Moore previous guest on the podcast um, Rob represent football players what did you make that make of that today you're not a Manchester United fan so you can be objective <laughs> 
Uh, and yeah, I would say um, a fitting uh, farewell for Tottenham. I mean, but uh, their domination was incredible and they really should have showed, uh, sewn the game up at half time. But and in the end, made a little bit of heavy weather of it. But uh, look, for the occasion that it was, it was probably fitting. What did you think of Manchester United? Very disappointing. Um, I understand that they've got a Europa League final, but my disappointment was actually a few weeks ago when they virtually gave up, when they were only one, one point behind Manchester City. Um, that for me was probably even more disappointing than what, what you saw out there today, you know? You work in football every day, you speak to lots of different people. What's the vibe that you're getting about Manchester United, about the type of players at the sign-in, about Mourinho, about the team coming back? Because United fans can argue it both ways. There's been some really good moments this season, at times the football has been good, but the team is sixth in the league. It's not really nowhere near good enough for Manchester United, given the, the amount of money that's been spent and the quality of the players. Uh, that have come in. Do you see a, a, a gradual upward trend? Do you see winning the Europa League as being vital for re-establishing Manchester United, or is that just a second-rate tournament where not which nobody's interested in? Well, it's obviously uh, Willy Wonka's golden ticket uh, to the, the Champions League, but but the pro- so so you've got to ask yourself what happens if they don't win it. Basically, what it means is that it's going to be an even more expensive summer for Man United because. For the quality of players they want to attract, they're going to have to pay even more over the odds for no Champions League football next year if that happens. So, for me, it, it's really, it's really, really critical. And in some ways, it's like a situation like Klopp was in in his first season when, um, when he needed a win in the Europa League final, um, and and uh, it looked quite comfortable. I think up until about half time, and then. Uh, then lost it, and then that obviously set his whole spending plans uh, back the next for the next summer. So it's critical. I mean, uh, Mourinho's basically staked his, staked his house on the Europa League. Wisely? So, not in my opinion. For what I said, um, what I said uh, earlier on that, you know, how can you give up with only being one point behind Manchester City? With with what three, four games to go, wasn't it? So five or six. Yeah, I, I don't under, I didn't understand that then, and I don't, well, still don't understand it now. But maybe, maybe it'll be a, a successful strategy. It's a high roll of the dice. You work in football. You represent players. You have players on on the pitch to, today. If United don't get into the Champions League, how does that change the club's negotiating position? Do players? Because we often read that. Um, it's all about money uh, and yet you will often read that players want to play in the Champions League is it down to individual choice what would an agent be advising somebody like Antoine Griezmann saying you could leave Atletico you'll earn a lot more money at Manchester United, Manchester United definitely not City how's it all play out is it just another factor in, in the negotiating process no I, I, I think um, for the type of player that United will want to attract I think it's important to be playing Champions League. I think a guy like Pogba maybe joins United thinking that, okay, it'll be one season and we'll be back in there. But imagine if it's two, or imagine if it's, it's three, then what, you know? So I, I think I think players, you know, they talk a lot about players and money and etc. etc. I only agree up to a point. I think players want to play and they want to play at the highest level in the biggest competitions. 
I think that's what drives them more than 10 or 20 grand extra. Just found a cab here. I've never seen you move so fast as when you saw that light on the cab. I'm a man of many talents. Seven sisters, please, mate. Um, so, in saying that, why then did Paul Pogba leave Juventus for Manchester United? Well, as I say, he left Andy, a better team. Uh, exactly, on, on, on that, at that point. But I honestly think he, he, he must have believed that it was only going to be one season. And then they'd be back in the Champions League. And it might be. And it might be. You're 100% right. But that's what makes this Europa League chase and putting all your eggs into that basket a really big roll of the dice. And I, I think United's squad, yes, they've been hit by a lot of injuries, etc., etc. But really still, it should have been enough to, to be able to compete with only one point in it with City. And, and, and I think probably Liverpool was really close as well, you know. You've dealt with Mourinho before. Do you think he's still got it to get a club like Manchester United back to the top? I think the most dangerous thing with Mourinho is to write him off. Um, but you don't is, pay £90 million it, it, for a player and you don't make top four. Then but, you're in trouble. But, but if, um, but if you, you're at the point where you are... Are you saying that if you're asking whether he man he does teams that are so invincible like they used to be in the old days, I would say no. His teams are not as invincible. Now, is that a factor of what he's inherited? Is it a factor of time has moved on a little bit? Uh, you know, there's a lot of factors that could come into play. But but I would say his teams are not as invincible what right now as they were in the past. I've spoken to him about this and he says that football has changed and that nobody is as invincible as they were in the past. That the, the money in the Premier League means that everybody is stronger. That he's looked at the work Klopp's done at Liverpool, uh, Pochettino's done at Tottenham and it's more formidable than maybe it was 10 years ago. Do you buy that? No. I, I don't think the money's, money's an issue because uh, well, I mean, Pochettino. But, but, but Everton don't need to sell the best players anymore. Manchester United used to get Tottenham's best players: Michael Carrick, Dimitar Berbatov, Teddy Sheringham. It's not going to happen now. Tottenham don't need to sell anybody because of the uh, television riches. Yeah, I would say that that is to a point correct. But um, yeah, it's again just down to the skill of the recruitment, eh? and and uh, you know finding. The ones that that you that really the, the fit the piece of the puzzle and and they're cost effective and you can make it happen, you know. It's not just Mourinho who's scouting these players. What's Manchester United scouting network like from your understanding? Because there's a whole team behind him. He's a public face of it. He's quite happy to be the only public face of it. He didn't even want the names of his assistants printed in the in the uh, being made known at the start of this season. But compared to somewhere like Tottenham or the sporting directors that you deal with at lots of clubs, how good is United's operation? Because as we understand it, it's still a work in progress. There's been a lot of changes. A lot of senior positions have changed. They continue to change. The football secretary um, is going to leave at the end of the season. That was announced this week. And he wasn't identifying players, but he was a former professional football player, John Alexander. He would give advice on an informal role. It's a club which is still changing massively, and fans don't always see that. Yeah, no, there's no doubt that it's evolving. I mean, I, I can't really say because I don't know the full extent of the scouting network. 
but but from what I've what I've read, like any other fan, it seems like they've invested a lot of money in this in redoing the recruitment. You know, um, just just who's driving that, Andy? I don't know. I mean, I I, I don't know. The, and now I'm, I'm just asking okay. the question because yeah. I don't know. I mean, is Mourinho driving the blueprint? For the entire overall of the club, because there's no sporting director, so who's doing that? He's working with a couple of other people who've been at the club and working in conjunction and identifying players. Um, they're, they're having meetings all of the time. Yeah, but I'm not talking about the identity of the uh, identification of the players. I'm no. talking about the restructuring. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't know whether Jorge Mendes is saying to Jose Mourinho, "This is a player that you should be wanted." Obviously, there's different voices going into into decisions but as to who is having the final say on exact players um, I think it changes from, from player to player which we just come up to Seven Sisters tube station here which areas do you think United need strengthening? Oh, I would say um, central midfield um, centre half I would say, Andy, I think they need a sprinkling of three or four top players. You know, not uh, they don't need players that are just going to make the depth deeper. They need... Griezmanns. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, you know. So I think the, the forward line is going to be in for some interesting uh, 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 changes going forward because of the Ibrahimovic situation and the Rooney situation. Um, and, and the fact that Martial hasn't really been able to nail down a spot that you would say he, it looks like he's totally got Mourinho's confidence. You know, Rashford's in and out as well. So, Do you so like Rashford? I like him. I like him. I think he's uh, dynamic, got pace, um, he's got energy, he's got good technique. I like him. Martial less so. No, I like Martial. I, I like him. I can't understand that he hasn't played uh, more games. I think he's a player though that you've got to give confidence to. I'm just going to go for the ticket machine. Just back at my hotel in London. I'm staying down here. And I just travelled across London to Earls Court, Kensington area. I thought I'd finish off this podcast because it ended a little bit abruptly. Disappearing into Seven Sisters uh, Station. Uh, I travelled with Rob to Euston. There's a lot of Tranmere fans at Houston, who look like they've had a long day out. I don't even know what the score was in their game. And I thought I'd finish the podcast um, to stop it ending so abruptly. Um, the United We Stand podcast is sponsored by RedArmyBet.com. Check out the website, RedArmyBet.com. It's betting's website where a chunk of any profits are put back into fan projects. I'm a bit disappointed because... Not just United lost the game, um, but top four is now no longer achievable. And if you'd have asked me in August, um, is it a success or failure if United finish in the top four, I would have said absolutely a failure if Manchester United, with all these players, cannot finish in the top four. And they're not finished in the top four. However, there are many shades of grey. There are mitigating circumstances. United have won the League Cup and they're in the Europa League final in Stockholm and as United fans were singing today we're going to Stockholm there's a buzz about everyone's talking about how you get into Stockholm 
lift that, this season will end on a high, will be considered to be a success. And rightly so. Mourinho will say, I've won two, plus the charity shield. The trophies in my first season were back in the Champions League. Don't win it, and there's a problem there. And as Rob said, it's a big throw of the dice. Um, I think that United should be able to overcome Ajax. I don't watch Ajax every week. I've seen him a few times this season. We've got a young side. Clearly a talented side. But you're just going to come across talented sides. It's a, it's a final of the European trophy. The only one which United have not won. But before then, there's still a couple of games. Meaningless now, really. Except you don't want United to continue losing. Uh, especially having that big, long, unbeaten run. Uh, until a couple of weeks ago, Mourinho's record compared favourably with Van Hals of a year ago, now less so. And they're the type of statistics which will be used to beat him if things uh, uh, go wrong. And United are not in the top four, and it's looking like it's going to be uh, City, Liverpool, maybe even Arsenal. So United have, have failed from that perspective. Wayne Rooney did get the last goal at White Hart Lane, and... I suppose that'll just be a trivia question in in years to come. I think that um, I'd still be surprised if Rooney stayed stayed at the club. Um, he still offers bits in in matches, but he's not the future of Manchester United. He's a club legend. He'll rightly be remembered well. United fans were singing his name today in the away end, and the away end was was really decent. Um, the next podcast will be coming from Southampton away this week, I forget the number of days and what days games are on at the moment there's that much travel and we've also um, one of our sponsors we should mention Lord Timepieces, I know the lads mentioned them in the last podcast uh, London based fashion brand, make affordable watches at reasonable prices the postage and packaging is free, the prices start around £60, classic design, quality construction and styled minimalism How's that for a selling point? Um, they've sold over 100,000 watches. I'm not sure how many they've sold through United We Stand's um, website, but they've, they've done, uh, I think they've done all right out of it on, on social media. And listeners to this podcast get 10% off. Uh, you can buy from lordtimepieces.com using the code UNITED. So check them out. I know a few people have done that who've been after watches or been after watches as presents. That's Lord Time Pieces. We'll bring you the next podcast from Southampton away. I'm going to get my head down and reevaluate things in the morning. Manchester United are going to Stockholm, but they're not finishing in the top four this season. It was quite a memorable final day at White Hart Lane. Until next time, goodbye.